So, hi, I'm Tom Evans, and um, a big warm welcome back to The Zone Show to uh, Professor Armit Goswami. I think it's the fourth time you've been on the show now. Okay, yes, that's right. Um, what I've done in the podcast, I've put the other interviews down at the bottom so people can catch up with our with our conversations. So I first came across you when I read, um, I think, The Self-Aware Universe and the Physics of the Soul, and then... Um, uh, our lovely contact Sarah Sagala in America connected us, and we've had several conversations. In fact, we also met in London, didn't we? Uh, that time, which yes, is, yes, we met in London. That yeah. was so, I, I must ask you, how are you getting on in this? This is uh, uh, October 2020. How are you getting on in these strange times? <laughs> Very good question. How are we getting along in these strange times? Yes. <laughs> okay, this is a very, very good question, and of course. You know, for a, a person who is a um, not only a scientist but also a spiritual person, it is actually quite simple. Um, I think that the times are very interesting, and I also think that this is a, a great uh, opportunity for some real change happening in the world. So I'm at once um, very excited. Although, as I said, uh, for a spiritual person, being excited does not mean the same thing as uh, probably for a uh, person who is not spiritual. Uh, for a spiritual person, it means a spiritual opportunity. Uh, you know, the world needs some changes. Uh, the world is going through a very nasty spree right now especially in the political situation, mm -hmm. almost everywhere. There's a rise of what you might say, fascism, autocracy, dictatorship. And this does not uh, bid well to spirituality. Because when this happens, we violate basic human decency, uh, basic human uh, uh, virtues, uh, morality, all this. Uh, so democracy is a must for spiritual um, advancement and humanity is on the verge of it because we have some scientific breakthrough, we have people, 15% of the people who are meditating. So these are great times. So this is not a time that we, we really need to go backwards in our political situation. So I think this um, COVID and all this other stuff that is taking place is a big opportunity for a huge change. Opportunity is how I look at it. And I guess also an opportunity then, uh, you've written this book in 2019, uh, Quantum Spirituality with Valentina Onisoy, if I pronounced her name correctly. It's almost quite prescient of you to write it uh, last year, probably last year, because it's a book for everybody to embrace now because if everyone wants to embrace this, and especially if it was the leaders to embrace this, it's kind of the solution that everybody's looking for. It is, because, uh, you know, spirituality also has to be uh, somewhat challenged here, because traditionally spirituality always has been kind of world negating. Mm -hmm. And although there is a strong streak in spirituality, in India especially, called yoga, that tradition is different, that tradition and the Buddhist tradition of Bodhisattva, uh, they both uh, are about a worldly spirituality. But still, um, it is not difficult to interpret even those systems into a world negating, in other words, 
uh, spiritual people are supposed to be goody-goody, they're supposed to be not engaged in the world so much, you know, brahmacharya, which means celibacy and all this, that doesn't sound very um, uh, appetizing to modern human being. Um, of course, there are streaks in uh, spiritual traditions, which has accepted our sexuality, accepted our worldly involvement and uh, encouraged us in spite of all that to engage into spirituality. But the, uh, how it works uh, was not very clear. Um, it was not at all clear that one can actually achieve spirituality uh, staying in the world, uh, engaging in sexual relationships, uh, engaging in uh, the world, working towards making money, and all this stuff. Um, so in quantum spirituality, we have shown that uh, science has nothing to do with all those traditional ways that spirituality is projected. They're all projections. They're all a particular technique that probably was quite appropriate at one time, long time ago, but they're no longer appropriate now. Now we have learned so much more about ourselves. We have learn, for example, that the brain has some major problems that we have to solve first before we can even engage with spirituality. Brain has a major amount of negative emotional brain circuits. The brain gives us much of the me-centeredness that spiritual traditions say, kill, kill, kill the ego and all that. It's not killing the ego. Ego is also our character, our patterns of habit, which you engage to be creative. But it's the persona, it's the part of the ego that takes us away from uh, spirituality, that me-centeredness, what is in it for me. That is the, uh, what we need to change. That is what we need to address. But these are very practical ways of addressing it. it it's, it's not at all uh, you know, connected with the traditional uh, practices so much, avoiding the world. You don't have to go to Himalayas to work on me-centeredness. In fact, you can't. You have to work on me-centeredness in relationship. That I'm not going to be me-centered. When I talk with you, I am with you. I am also you-centered, not just, not just me-centered. That's the uh, point we make. So do you think then that this sort of strange lockdown period that we're in is actually a great opportunity for us to really open up? So this is why it's a great opportunity, because it, it is... It is in relationship with this world. Can I see opportunity here? And can I see the opportunity here, not only for myself, but also for you, for everybody, for relationship with the world. And um, that's what brings us to not only looking after for ourselves. Now, look, it's obvious, no? Uh, Donald Trump, Boris Johnson, uh, Putin, these are all extremely me-centered people. So what's the first thing that we do? In, even in America, which is, has been down in the pits lately, but who they are going to elect? This now looks, all the indication looks like Joe Biden is going to win. And you know what uh, Biden's biggest strength is? Biggest strength is the decent man. That's his biggest strength. Yeah. Imagine in American culture is accepting that a, a decent man is what we need rather than a uh, brass, uh, big business billionaire uh, to uh, govern the country. This is a big change, no? 
Well, they had a decent man in Barack Obama. I don't know why they had to go through four years of such turmoil. I know. That's the part <laughs> where, where people have to realize that, no, there is also our responsibility. That responsibility cannot be avoided by just electing one man. Joe Biden is just one man. After the decency is a good thing to point out because people are feeling the need for decency. But they also have to feel the need here. They have to be decent also. And uh -huh. it's, it's not just adequate to blame uh, a bunch of people who are Trump supporters for their mistakes and stuff. You also have to say, okay, what mistake have I been making? How am I creating this world? What am I doing wrong that is creating this kind of phenomenon of polarization, political and uh, social everywhere? Mm. So kind of in, in, in the book, Quantum Spirituality, I think you've written the manual of how each of us individually can get out of this particular state into a new state. It's almost like a, it's a manual for evolving to another level. And in fact, at the next level of, um, of humanity. You got, you, got the, you got the tone exactly right. Of course, I, I, I never doubted that you would. Uh, yeah, it is, it is a very, very personal kind of journey that you go through. Uh, yoga, in this sense, um, is a very personal thing. But the yoga, strangely, uh, what you integrate is your persona with the world. So eventually you end up with, I love myself too, I love the world situation. So it's a very good, wonderful transformation of the individual being. We start with the individual, very me-centered, and we end up in a world-centered person who loves the world. That sounds like a nice infectious virus to transmit. <laughs> well, if the if the R rate if the R rate for that was two or more, then it should rapidly spread around the planet. Well, I mean, the point is that you know this is the challenge uh, today, right? How do I have relationships which take care of really take care of both of us, uh -huh. expanding consciousness? So you know, the whole book is an exercise how you can act, make your decisions, think, feel from an expanded consciousness. Well, you know what, what I also liked about the book is the first time in all the books I read of yours where I've read a bit about your backstory. And I didn't realize that your, your, your father was a, a, a Brahmin. And uh, one thing that really made me smile was the sutra he used to spring, sing to you. And the translation is, this is whole, that is whole, from whole you get whole. If you subtract from whole, whole from whole, you still get whole. I just love that whole uh, concept. I love that whole concept, excuse the pun there. Um, could you just expand upon what that means then in the context of um, each individual being a whole individually and also part of the whole? Okay, I mean, this is a this is a very very famous uh, stotra uh, uh, sutra from the Upanishads. Uh, the uh, you know, in a sense, it's 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 interesting because mathematicians find the uh, description of infinity because the whole thing means um, uh, if you take if you add whole to the whole, you get whole. Uh, if you subtract whole from the whole, you still get whole. Mm -hmm. And so they uh, compare it to infinity plus infinity is infinity, infinity minus infinity is also infinity. So that, that's the funny part. 
but really what it is saying is that we are rooted in a, in a wholeness. Uh, that wholeness is uh, always whole. There is, because there is nothing but that wholeness. The wholeness is our really our being. How do we approach it often is to think that we are approaching it to, through one attribute of the wholeness. For example, um, in the uh, book you will find uh, we talk about love a lot of thought, a lot. And love is an archetype. So the understanding is that, okay, this is part of wholeness, one part, right? But actually, uh, it is also wholeness. Love is not separate from wholeness. So the concept just goes um, very deep at some point. So at once we can uh, explore love uh, in a kind of separate way, but we end up in love. You know, what happened to me is very good, very interesting because um, I experienced wholeness once. I mean, I really had that experience. I, I took a quantum leap and I could, I could see that the world is all one, whole. And uh, the aftermath, uh, that surprised me because I was at that time most interested in discovering love because my challenge was how to love my wife. This is why I was doing this seven day long job of practice, quite difficult. I never have repeated it again because to find that kind of energy, you really have to be really motivated, have to kind of desperate, and I was. And then when it took place, the aftermath just blew me out because I was totally in love with everything. I could love anyone. So that, that kind of the ability of loving everyone that came to me for two, two whole days. Um, I remember we had a very cantankerous secretary at that time in the Institute, especially she hated me because of my inclinations of spirituality. And she thought I am not doing my job, which is to be a physicist, scientist in the regular way. Um, but I could love that woman. Those two days, we have, I had a wonderful relationship with her because I uh, could love her and therefore uh, her animosity also went away. Amazing. Uh, when you really are open, people feel it and their animosity goes away, their hostility goes away, everything drops out and, and the world really becomes very sweet. Um, but only two days after that, it gradually tapered off, went away. I could never recapture that particular state. I have, been, I have come close, but never, never quite that kind of cosmic love. So I know what it means to, when you take whole away from whole, it still is whole. Because in, in, in that state, if one relationship stops, it doesn't matter. If another relationship adds, also doesn't matter. You are always, you are always in love with everything. Interesting, because I did a, a, a small short piece on my podcast. My podcast, since I interviewed you last, has taken a slightly different trajectory. I do some interviews still, but also there's some audio thought pieces. And I woke up at 4.44 one morning, uh, oh. with, and I had Donald Trump came to me in a dream, and he asked me to show him how to manipulate matter with uh, thought alone. 
And I said to him, I can't do that because, you know, these things you can do, but in the wrong hands, it's dangerous. But what I can show you in five minutes is how to be, how to change yourself. And, and, and actually, the technique was to give love to even someone like Donald Trump. And so if enough people love him as opposed to idolize him, we could transform him. <laughs> yes. Yes. Actually, you know, this as versus them, that mindset is actually the worst enemy that we have. Yeah. Uh, of course, it is fun to uh, make fun of Donald, but the fact is that Donald is a creation of our own separateness. Yeah. Donald exaggerates it, and ordinarily people suppress some of it, but it's all in all of us. The, it is the mass hysteria about me-centeredness that has created a totally me and look at what happens if you are totally me-centered, and then it's not nice to look at anymore. And the people who uh, find him as a hero, they try to emulate that kind of callous me-centeredness. That's their ideal. But they, they don't succeed. If they did, they would become Donald Trump. But they can't. And that's why they are worshipped Donald Trump, because he has idolized this me-centeredness, which they love to have. But only me. No, nobody else. <laughs> And interesting that, like uh, like all of us, um, uh, Donald is a, is a soul on a, on a human journey. And I love something that uh, Deepak Chopra says in the in the forward. Um, Until we understand that nothing actually consists of something, uh, we can't really understand it. So this this concept of the whole being part of the whole and subtracting the whole from the whole still whole. We've also got this concept that we've got the nothing and the something, haven't we? Yes, yes, and, and all that is um, very, very quantum because, you know, in quantum physics, we indeed say that the world is consciousness and its possibilities. And possibility is not a thing. Possibility is just an idea. So the, literally, literally, the world begins with nothing. Consciousness is really no thing. Everything is a manifestation of consciousness including the subject that you and I talk about, I, this I, this very source of me, including that. It, it's coming from that nothingness, which is, uh, you can say potential, uh, potentiality. Uh, people understand the word potentiality better, but you can also call it nothingness. It is also nothing. Well, this gives us a great opportunity then, because if we're in this reset period, which we are, and if you believe in James Lovelock's Gaia theory, you could think that uh, Mother Earth herself has created this virus to suppress some of the worst atrocities and uh, practices of humankind. We've certainly got a, a lower pollution level now, which is uh, kind of handy. We're not traveling as much. People are finding they ca can work from home. And uh, obviously, I wish I'd put some shares in Zoom when it first kicked off as well, because I'm sure that uh, Zoom are doing very well because of the, that's the technology we're using right now. But, you know, within, I used to think that maybe within one generation or two generations, the world could be changed. But actually, we can do it in just a few years. We, we could, but that would not, I don't think profound changes can be made. Um, but we could, we could change our belief system in, in, in three years. Uh -huh. Profound changes requires, I think, um, you know, um, because the, the challenge is huge. It's the brain. And brain took 3.8 billion years to get here. 
from one cell creature to this very sophisticated uh, trillion cell uh, brain. Mm-hmm. And so to change these brains, bad habits, like these negative emotions, domination being one of them, we're talking about Donald Trump, uh, Putin, these are dominant people. They're that alpha male. Where does it come from? It, it comes from the brain. They have a huge amount of um, uh, that domination circuit that dominates their behavior. How do you uh, work on it uh, except for building positive emotional brain circuits that will compensate this negative behavior? It's very difficult. So, of course, uh, you and I, people like us, uh, work on it and we find it not so difficult because we have worked on it for lifetimes probably. But people who are new at it, they get fascinated by it because it, it, it seems like you know, they're exploring power. But power is an archetype. Real power is not the power of this me. Real power is the power to empower myself and others. Uh, so uh, they miss the point for a very long time. But during that time, they can create havoc. They can create a lot of mischief in the world. And this is, this is the danger. So um, changes require time, I think. Uh, otherwise, what happens that we do something in a hurry, and then uh, it just works. It's just mental concepts, which are much easier to learn very quickly. But to change, we have to change the software uh, that is connected with our uh, systems, like the brain. Uh, it, it has some very bad software. That's what gives the negativity of the brain. 85% negative, you know, only 15 or 20% positive. Can you believe it? So we have to make this brain equal in negative and positive. That requires a lot of transformational work, a lot of practice, like meditation, do we do we do creativity and uh, flow and relationship lots of lots of it it's not the, the funny thing is that you know quantum spirituality constantly point this out uh, especially valentina because she's a woman and she does it from the heart side so we constantly point out look it's it's fun it's not difficult the way we do it now in relationship with people Gosh, we even promote sexuality in that book a lot. We say, okay, be sexy and use sex to explore love. Why uh, stop with the molecules in the brain? Because after the molecules stop acting, your mind becomes me-centered again. But if you don't allow the molecules to take over, you'll find that the energy is rising to your heart and you feel like you want to love this person that you had sex with instead of just enjoying the person's body, uh, and the proof of it is brain molecules, you literally have now an expansion of consciousness that includes the other person. You want to cuddle the person, you want to take care of the person, you want to hold the person. It's an amazing feeling. Could you talk about in the book, integrating the head and heart? And I remember reading something from uh, a Rudolf Steiner book, uh, nearly a hundred years, over a hundred years ago, where he talked about, how evolution, at one point when we got the word, the word was made flesh. He talks about the third eye 
which is the sixth chakra, controlling the fifth chakra. And we call this speech now. So it's, it's externalization of thought forms and how the next phase of evolution is to take conscious control of the heart and the other lower chakras. Now, these are all techniques which are thousands and thousands of years old. But to me, it's exciting that, this, that meditation is this, it's not just the key, but it's almost like a, a mind technology that we can use to help yeah. ourselves yeah. evolve. You know, we're in a potential now where up to now evolution has been maybe not driven by humans, but we now can get to a point where we can evolve. And I don't mean that from a sort of science fiction AI terminator kind of perspective. We can do this very, very mindfully, mindful of ourselves, mindful of the planet and mindful of all the other species on the planet and the biosphere that, uh, that maintains us. So it's an exciting time to have head and heart integration happening. Absolutely. And we understand the heart finally is now thanks to quantum physics. It allows us to get a, get a hold of an understanding of what actually is the energies that we feel, that we feel in the heart, that we feel in the nasal chakra, that we feel in the uh, throat chakra, that we feel in the brow, what does it mean to awaken the third eye? We now totally understand and you know, how to raise this, uh, what is called Kundalini in Sanskrit, you know, the coiled up energy in the uh, base of the spine. And, and that is basically sexual energy. This is why we, we speak so much of sexual energy in this book. In fact, I have, I'm a great promoter of sexual energy. I said that, okay, use sexual imagination to raise the energy to the heart and you'll immediately feel expanded. It's so easy that way. Whereas if you try to do it with mental way, then you have to literally take a quantum leap of the mind to find the new in order to feel that kind of expansion. With the, with the feelings, uh, there is almost a uh, feelings of very little jadedness. You don't, uh, that realm is just not very jaded. So every time you have a feeling, although it is being uh, memorized uh, instantly, but you cannot recall that memory. Like you can recall mental memory and reinforce it. But uh, vital energy memory is, is not like that. So there's the newness in the chakras. So once you get used to these chakras, the problem is that the brain has taken over the chakras. Mm -hmm. So most people are guided by the brain. But once you can overcome the brain and start feeling energy in the body, like many women do, this is why they talk so much about heart, and this is why the integration is possible, because we can feel the self also in the heart, not only in the brain, but also in the heart. And so uh, great times because, you know, HeartMath Institute has uh, done some beautiful experiments which shows that if you make heart and the head uh, synchronous, uh, your uh, expansion of consciousness is much, much enhanced. Fantastic. I'll put, a, I'll put a heart activation meditation down the bottom of this. Uh, oh, right. this so, so this is really exciting then because as a physicist, which is like you know, your your number one job. Your first job was a, as, a, as a physicist. You you got good um, recollection now and intelligence and knowledge of what happened, physics in the nineteen twenties up to physics in the twenty twenties. So in a hundred years, absolutely revolutionised uh, technology. So now we're in twenty twenty. What can happen in twenty one twenty with all this knowledge? Yeah, it boggles, boggles, boggles my mind. I, I think, you know, my scenario is, this is why it's so funny when you started, you talked about your new book, and um, you were talking about dark matter. And, um, okay, let me finish this bill first, and then I'll tell you the dark yeah. matter. 
workshop. Uh, so uh, the, uh, this is something that both Steiner, Shiorabinda, and also Ter Desharda, all three of them, they sort of envision a similar future. Um, Steiner had this head-heart integration. Uh, they are had bringing heaven to earth, that kind, kind of concept. And uh, Aurobindo had the concept of supramental awakening, yeah. awakening to the heart chakra and beyond. I mean, uh, brow chakra and beyond. Uh, brow chakra is the third eye opening, and that brings up the archetypal dimension, intuitive dimension. So Aurobindo's projection was that the next step in our evolution is when people will become much more awakened in the third eye and much more intuitive than they are today. Of course, you know, um, I think I told you already the last time we met, um, I have started a university of spiritual transformation mm -hmm. where we give masters and PhD in quantum science. And people talk about this kind of thing in connection with health and healing, mental health mainly, but also spirituality. A few people actually are studying spiritual transformation. So what they do uh, is that try transformation uh, together with others in relationship. In other words, we, we have a program where the entire student body uh, meditates together. And um, we do that every week on Sunday for a part time. And that way we build a community mindset, community consciousness. This community consciousness, when you do something, when you achieve some changes in the community consciousness, those changes become part of the collective unconscious, non-local memory. This is the part where you really can change the entire humanity. So my, uh, my projection really is, is wild which is that we will achieve this thing that imagine, imagination that Steiner, um, uh, Aurobindo, and Ter Shabda had, that people will become intuitive en masse. Uh, I project that indeed we will find transformation en masse because thanks to internet, like you and I can correlate. Basic phenomenon is quantum correlation, not non-locality, oneness. So if you if can do it on the internet, then you see how easy it is to connect and become one. Uh, we are doing it with all our students every week. And this uh, builds this uh, complete uh, confidence in terms of having non-local memory that everybody can get access to. And that's how we uh, produce mass transformation. And when that happens, then the world will, will be changed. I mean, it, it, it's changed forever. The negative emotional brain circuits will be compensated by positive emotional brain circuits. People will be born with love circuits in their brain. Can you imagine that? Wow. I mean, there will be no Donald Trump because there is no domination circuit anymore. A love circuit will balance out the domination circuit. Now, that's interesting because I'm a, uh, one of the meditation guides on the world's only free meditation app inside time completely free and i think they're up to about um maybe 16 or 20 million meditators uh, right now uh, so do, you know in your travels do you ever come across any mathematicians or statisticians who are doing the mathematics 
of this transformation, how many people you need to be kind of switched on or just open for then the whole planet to switch over? I think the basic thing is non-locality. Numbers are not that important. Okay. If, if we can develop non-local memory that, um, is, is, uh, that people can, everybody can inherit because we can uh, say one person, somebody already calculated that. One person in their life easily can have eight correlated relationships. And by that, what I mean, like mother-child, that's a correlated relationship automatically because you grew up in mother's womb. That, that, that is a non-local relationship forever during their whole life if they want to. Of course, some mothers and some children break up, but that's a different story. You can break it up if you want, but, but if you don't break it up, uh, it's something that is retained very easily. Then we become friends with people. And of course, we have lovers. For them, it, again, it is very easy. You can break it up. Breaking up is easy. But if you don't break it up, I, have, um, I had three wives. Now, the first wife doesn't count because I was an ignoramus then. But the last two wives, I have a uh, good relationship even now. I'm correlated with them. I can feel it. So you can maintain correlation once and for all for, uh, for just about Eight people, I think somebody calculated. And that does not require really very much. I think six to seven generations, you probably can start using, uh, you know, wherever you begin. You can begin just a few people, but if they continue to spread, each person will be correlated with eight people and do the work together with them and access this non-local memory, then eight generations is all that will take. Or six or seven. But also we're correlating with people like um, Steiner, who is no longer with us in physical form, and we're correlating with Tyre de Chardin. In fact, Tyre de Chardin's Phenomenon of Man was the inspiration behind my novel. I love the book so much, but I found it a bit complicated. And I thought, wouldn't it be nice to take some of those concepts of the neurosphere and that kind of thing, the collective consciousness, and put them into a fiction book that more people get their heads around? So, well, so we're still correlating backwards and forward with time with these uh, lovely individuals. Yeah, actually, no, the, where the dark matter comes in is that we still won't be able to make any memory directly in our brain. It has to be non-local memory for us because we have only the physical matter that we have. But we now have in the universe another kind of matter, dark matter. So it is easy to think that perhaps the dark matter people have the capacity of making this um, uh, direct uh, memory of supramental direct memory of the archetype. Then they don't have to go the route of making mental and vital uh, energy memory. So they can have direct memories, meaning that uh, you can abide by, you can learn to intuit and abide by intuition much more easily than you can with um, thinking and feeling. So uh, this, is, this may not be just an idle speculation. Um, that, you know, there may be already people who have that kind of capacity, and this is why uh, this uh, extraterrestrial, this kind of mythology lingers on. Since when, you know, uh, every culture has this concept of devas and devis and 
and they're all um, uh, archetypes, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, in Greece, we have this uh, Greek pantheon. They're all archetypes. Zeus is the archetype of power, uh, Aphrodite archetype of love. And in India, in tradition, the same thing, Lakshmi and Durga and all these uh, wonderful archetypal images. And the same thing for Christianity in terms of angels and so, you know. Um, and now in the modern time, as Carly already pointed out, we have the modern mythology of extraterrestrials. They come and they present this flying saucer and they present this wonderful, uh, they come out and they welcome, people feel love. Uh, you know, so uh, this is this could be more than mythology. It must be, and also the number twelve factors quite a lot with the twelve disciples and the twelve gods and the and the demigods and 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 whatsoever. So there obviously is a, a mathematics and numerology to all of this stuff too, which should be lovely to explore. So what's your what's your next exploration? What what projects are you working on right now? Well, I'm writing, um, again with Valentina, I'm writing a couple of books on the brain. Because brain is so crucial. So what we, what we find, there's already brain data that mm-hmm. shows that indeed it is possible to balance the negative and make a brain which is neutral, negative and positive balanced. Okay. And then, then we can move for higher uh, intelligence and higher happiness. And we delve into that. We have, uh, myself and she too, have some experience with uh, what Aurobindo calls supramental. And um, we are explorers. So uh, I, we are writing two books. One is The Quantum Brain, and the other is called Awakening of Intelligence. Quantum brain deals with, okay, the brain has negative, so we have to have the positive, that part. Mm-hmm. And the uh, awakening of intelligence talks about how we can start with this base and then take off in terms of intelligence. We develop emotional intelligence and then supramental intelligence. That's where head and heart are totally integrated. Oh, well, it sounds like we should put another date or two in the diary for when these books are out. And maybe with this wonderful technology, I could have both of you on the Zoom show at the uh, at the same time, we'd be delight and honoured to meet uh, Valentina. And those those books are, are right up my uh, up my street as well. I like the idea of uh, that whole idea of the quantum brain. There's a great book actually by um, uh, Ian McGilchrist called The Master and His Emissary. Who read that book? No. Oh, it's a fantastic book. Uh, he this guy is um, he's researched uh, left and right brain. You know the archetype that the left brain is uh, logical and that the right brain is is creative. He's a neuroscientist that really did research uh, what the left brain does and what the right brain does. So look that one out. The master is emissary. It's a fantastic book, big book to read. But there's a really good YouTube animated video. I'll put that down in the podcast as well. That, that if you haven't got time to read the book just in eleven minutes, you can you get his uh, his 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 summarization of what he's. Uh, what he's discovered about left and right brain and the, the lateralization of the, the hemispheres, which is great. So it sounds like we should chat again soon. I mean, when are the two books going to be out? Uh, well, um, the quantum brain is going to be out uh, pretty soon, probably yeah. by this spring, next spring. Okay. Uh, awakening of intelligence will take a little longer, mm-hmm. uh, probably towards the end of next year. Right. Okay. Well, that's, that's, we'll call that a date then definitely in which, in which case. <laughs> Wonderful. So, um, uh, and next time you were inviting Valentina also. She's, I think she's, we should do, 
We'll do two, yeah. We'll do two at the same time. And I can have the left and right brain. I'll have one of you on the left and one on the right on the screen to show this sort of lateralization of the uh, of the function and the idea of the yin and the yang together as well. So it sounds like you've uh, got a fantastic co-creator in her. Yes, yes, yes. She's, she's good. She's good. And, and also, you know, she works with heart much more than uh, the brain, although she has the brain. She has a medical degree. You have to have the brain. Uh -huh. to get MD, um, but, but she is exceptional in the sense that, you know, she comes from Romania and yet um, uh, she has absorbed uh, so much of Indian culture because she needed to delve into Indian spirituality because uh, she is very uh, sort of went into the Tantra, uh, this relationship with sexuality, transforming sexuality into love, a lot of that. So that kind of experience um, uh, added to quantum physics gives her a, an enormous amount of uh, personal power of understanding and putting together what is going on in the world. So she is, she is very great uh, helper to me. I mean, I've been a collaborator, finally. And I noticed that on, on chapter two is uh, Holness and I, brackets, Armit, and then chapter 15 is Holness and I, Valentina. So you must have written chapter two and she must have written chapter 15. Yeah. How do you collaborate on the book? What's your process for it? Um, actually, you know, um, uh, she's young, like she's in her 40s. Uh, I'm, of course, in my 80s. So it, it's also very interesting, uh, uh, the difference in our age uh, makes it easy in a way to uh, collaborate in terms of being very open, no competition uh, between the two of us because there's nothing to compete, of course. Um, you know, I have been a little bit gentle person for quite some time now, I don't compete. But nevertheless, uh, for her to get into the spirit of that, that world where um, everything is friendly, uh, but she got into it very quickly. I must say, you know, I met her only like four years ago. And um, the first six months, um, she had a little bit of that, still that, especially, you know, if you're a woman in this very male dominated world still, you have to have some of that, that punk, that rise up, why not me, kind of thing. But uh, because she is who she is, uh, she uh, transcended that me and became uh, who she is now, who is a really quite a transformed being. So um, this, is, this is really a wonderful thing for me because I have watched this woman grow spiritually and I'm very happy with her progress. And she will go much further than I have because, you know, I discovered spirituality only uh, in my middle age when I was 40 and she has discovered spirituality from childhood. She has been doing it uh, already. When I, even when I met her, she already had a lot of knowledge and a lot of wisdom also. But now she's just going at a very uh, quick pace because uh, quantum physics has a lot of answers. And ans when you have answers, you know it's much easier to proceed. 
because you have no longer have to worry about the okay what is the reason that this is producing this what exactly is being produced but quantum physics allows us to understand every phenomenon that we have every uh, bit of extra happiness that we get every bit of extra intelligence that we get there is an explanation scientific explanation okay this is what happened this is the chakra that got awakened this is the intelligence that got awakened this is the archetype that is involved with this kind of experience so that knowledge is very helpful because at once we can predict a little and we can also compare okay so where i am is this compatible with what i was expecting and there is some surprise but there is also something that makes the expectation that makes the journey much more pleasant much more much more because you have a little bit of control we feel much more sanguine about what we are doing she sounds like she's a very old soul in which case yes that is a good description i think she yeah. had many incarnations of spirituality already Fantastic. Well, actually, also, this what what's happening also, which is which is great, is that not only do we have this understanding, but we have the technology of dissemination of it. So I know that I've um, I'm going to put um, three meditations in with this podcast. One is about awakening of the heart. The other is about accessing super consciousness, if you like, the supramental. But also, uh, I I read this lovely description by Steiner years ago in this book called How to Know the Higher Worlds about um, this sort of journey through the body of awakening the chakra centers as lotus uh, flowers. And so I took that script and I made it into an MP3 and put some music behind it and stuff like that. And all of a sudden, this knowledge that came from Steiner ends up on the internet, freely available for all. So all of it, that's, this is where we get the explosion from. This is where we get the, uh, the, the, the passing of the baton, if you know what I mean. And uh, but I will say this, which is really important. I think you know this as well, is that um, I would say 95% of my listeners to my meditations on Insight Timer are women. So it strikes me that the change is going to come from the, from the female side. But then the, the task is to bring the poor men along as well at the same time, so we don't leave us fellows behind. Yes, the, the, that is indeed. The, what we have to do is to integrate in our outer transcendent immanent and, of course, the male, female. You know, this is, I call it Jesus yoga because um, in, in Jesus' teachings, uh, this is the main focus. You have to integrate the, what he puts as above and the below and the outer and the inner and male and the female. Very beautiful lines in Gospel according to Thomas. Oh, fantastic. Well, also, well, it's so good then that you are collaborating and, and you, you're both writing these books together because the, the books are obviously going to have both sides of the... Uh, yeah. Male-female integration, male-female polarity, these are very important for today's people to understand. You know, yeah. this is why um, sexual energy and transforming it is so important. Male-female relationship is so very important. And by the way, homosexual should not feel excluded because male-female is included in homosexual relationship as well. Yeah. Yeah. There is a male counterpart and there is a female counterpart. Body doesn't matter so much. It's the software that you have to integrate. So the, the, the softwares even there are poorer, poorer software. Uh, the opposite softwares are essential in order to attract each other. And that shows up as a brain difference, not the genital difference. That shows up in the brain difference of the women have um, uh, the uh, different connection of the amygdala, the, the um, uh, center of negative emotions, 
uh, for the female, it's connected more to the left brain. For the male, it's connected more to the right brain. But right brain is unconscious in us. So for the male, suppression of negative emotions come in a very natural way, and that's what they do. So they are emotion suppressor. Whereas for women, they are relationship oriented because for them, there is no way of avoiding it. Right? Uh, left brain is conscious. And so females, um, uh, they talk more relationship uh, oriented. And uh, because they are relationship oriented, they discover love and some of them discover the heart chakra. And so this creates the entire polarity. Uh, and that polarity extends to the uh, chakras as well. Males are dominated by the navel chakra. Females are dominated by the heart chakra. Navel chakra is where it's self-love, self-respect is. This is the other love, uh, love for others. So women lack in the self-love, and therefore they depend on men. And men don't have other love, and that's what the, uh, the attraction is. The wow. woman has the other love. So in a way, this is a very complementary situation, but it is best to integrate. In, if you integrate, then no longer uh, there is so much of polarity, but you don't need polarity by that time. So when you talk about the quantum brain, are you in the book, are you also exploring the quantum neurology, all of the, all the mind centers? Absolutely. Fantastic. We, we have a um, uh, clear description of why brain apparatuses become quantum because of their vital energy, uh, non-local correlation with vital energies. We show how the negative emotions were created by evolution. We show how the me-centeredness is created, and we also show how the way out. How do we get over all this, including pleasure center and including addiction? We talk about a whole whole bunch of things, and in the second book, we really take it in terms of developing happiness and intelligence. Well, it sounds like we need both books last year, not this year, not not next year. So, I look forward to having you uh, both on the show uh, when the books are out. And uh, uh, I've been so good to talk to you. And keep well, keep safe. Um, your knowledge is really important. It comes out. We need to. It needs to be amplified and, as I say, create create this lovely virus in the world that we nicely infects everybody. Thank you, Tom. It's always so nice to be with you. And where's the best place for people to find you still? Is it through the Quantum University or through your main website? What's the best um, URL? Uh, my website still is the website where you can get all the information about the um, new university, which is called Quantum Activism Vishalayam, Q-A-V. Um, my website is amitgoswami.org, A-M-I-T-G-O-S-W-A-M-I.org. And that, that website has all the information. Fantastic. Well, I'm really glad that our soul waves have, uh, have bonded yet again. It's lovely to talk to you. And uh, we'll see you on The Zone Show uh, pretty soon, I hope. Okay. Thank you so much again. Take good care. I've been Tom Evans, and you've been listening to The Zone Show. You'll find the other podcasts with Armit Goswami down the bottom of this podcast on thezoneshow.com as well as the three meditations that I mentioned in the podcast. And for many, many more meditations and books and resources, come over to my main website, www.tomevans.co. Thanks so much for listening.